This episode is brought to you by WeTransfer. WeTransfer is all about making the creative process easier for everyone. They built their site to be the simplest way to share big files from A to B for free. There's no sign in, there's no offer codes, there's no password to forget. Just upload, send, and get back to making whatever it is you make. I really want you to go try wetransfer.com the next time you have a need to send a big file to somebody else and you're just not sure how to send it. wetransfer.com, that's W-E-T-R-A-N-S-F-E-R.com. Welcome to Photo Taco, the only show with photography tips you can learn in the time it takes to eat a taco, or perhaps a burrito. Photo Taco! Hey everybody, welcome into another episode of Photo Taco. I am your host, Jeff Harmon. Thank you so much for spending a few minutes of your day with me, especially today as we are kind of in the midst of transitioning over to the um, new Master Photography Podcast Network. Now, if you missed the April 26th Improved Photography Podcast episode, you're really going to want to go back and listen there as we have a major announcement regarding a branding change where we are moving, we're transitioning the Improved Photography Podcast Network over to a new brand, the Master Photography Podcast Network. You will want to go and listen, like I said, to the episode for information about the changes. But if you don't want to listen, uh, I kind of get that. <laughs> you might, you're very busy, and I, I understand you're wanting to kind of see it in, in uh, written form, potentially. And uh, there's even a few things that we answer in the fact that we didn't answer in the episode. So we created a new FAQ resource over at the future home of the podcast network, and that's at masterphotographypodcast.com. And uh, everything is there, but you'll want to do masterphotographypodcast.com slash FAQ for frequently asked questions. We know there has been a lot of change with the network over the past year, but we are really, really excited at this opportunity each of the hosts has to uh, really put their full passion behind the shows that they're doing and hosting on the network. I personally find recording Photo Taco one of the most fulfilling things that I do in my spare time. And I have to love it because as I talked about on the podcast episode, it takes a lot of work to produce a podcast like this. It takes a lot of time. I spend between six and eight hours for each Photo Taco episode in preparation, in uh, recording and scripting and everything that I do to make the podcast be what it is. It takes about that much time. And uh, it's a lot of time that I'm spending away from my family and doing other things that I could be doing, doing photography. And, uh, but I really love it and I find it fulfilling and I'm excited that I will have more creative control and uh, direction over where it is Photo Taco goes and, and uh, what we're doing with Photo Taco, as are all of the other shows on the new Master Photography Podcast Network. So I hope that you will switch with us. I hope you'll, you'll stick with us through this transition, even if we have some technical bumps along the way, even if we uh, struggle for a little bit. We're hoping to have all of that worked out by June 2018 so that the shows are all going seamlessly and, uh, and I, I, we really think that everything is going to be what, be really good as we go through the, after we're done with this, this rebranding. So thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking with me. I hope that you will continue to do that. All right, let's get on to today's show then. As promised in the early 2018 Photo Taco episode where I talked about fast culling in Lightroom using the Lightroom embedded previews workflow, and that's a mouthful. Um, today, I'm going to talk about 
profiles because Adobe in their April 2018 release of Lightroom Classic CC 7.3 made some big changes. It's not brand new features for the most part, uh, but it, there's some, some pretty big changes that are worth going through and especially to a feature that I'm sure many of you have never actually used, even though it's been there for a very long time. Um, to do that, we have to start with, a, with what a profile is. We sort of have to go back back in the time machine to the early 2000s. And we have to talk about raw process processing. And uh, it's, it may seem like it's a, a hard way to go about talking through this, but I think there's some foundational elements and I think that's what makes Photo Taco different from a lot of other podcasts. I go into that, de that depth and that detail. I, I lay that foundation down. I don't just assume you've got it. And I think it leads to better understanding of the features and what it is we're going to do. So it's going to take a little bit of time, but hopefully you're used to that with Photo Taco. And I'm going to dive into the details here about profiles, what they are, and how it is that they're different from presets, and then some detail about uh, what specifically to look for or notice with the profiles features. All right, so let's lay that ground that foundational groundwork now. We're going to start out by talking about a man named Thomas Knoll. Now, he and his brother created Photoshop. They were the inventors. They were the engineers who helped, worked, and built Photoshop. He also happened to be a photographer. So back in the early 2000s, as he was using, uh, doing photography and as he was trying to edit on the computer, he was absolutely hating the software that came with his camera. Just didn't like it at all. And that kind of still holds true today. If you've ever tried out the software that came with your camera, like Canon's Digital Photo Professional or Nikon's NXD, you know that the software is not great. It does a job, it functions. Uh, you can certainly get by using it. You can certainly do some really good processing using those tools. They're just not as easy to use or as fun to use um, as other raw processors like Adobe or you have Skyloom Luminar or Capture One or On One are all software manufacturers who really have a much better raw processing kind of capability and, and software option than what the camera manufacturers are providing. So this was exactly what Thomas was feeling like back in the early 2000s. There just wasn't much in the way of raw processing options that were available to him. And so being an incredible engineer and kind of recognizing the huge potential to do more with his images from the raw data than the JPEG that the camera produced, Thomas whipped up a plugin to Photoshop that could interpret the raw data as good or probably better than the software that came with his camera. So you may be wondering, okay, but why is it that he even had to do that? Why do we need software that interprets the data that the raw file is in the raw file out of the camera. And this is a very fundamental thing about profiles I think you need to understand. So I'm going to try to do my best to explain. When you shoot JPEG, your camera is doing a lot of work to translate the, the signals that came out of the raw file, the, the sensor, and putting it into what would be a raw file. There's these, you know, ones and zeros that get created by that sensor. And 
as your camera is dealing with that, if you are shooting in JPEG, the camera has algorithms built into it. It has computer programming or code that's kind of happening, being processed by your camera. And it is taking the ones and zeros that came natively from your sensor and it's writing out a JPEG file that is a very standardized format. So standardized, even back in the early 2000s, it was something every computer knew how to deal with and could display images in that format. So every computer on the planet, they knew how to deal with a JPEG, even back then in the early 2000s. It's why a lot of the camera makers decided to have that be an option and really the default option when you first get your camera because it was so accessible. Your computer could deal with it all by itself. It didn't even need extra software to be able to see the image. There were even like rudimentary editing tools that made it so you could edit the image when it was in JPEG format. This format of JPEG being so standardized and identical then from camera to camera, it didn't matter. JPEGs were JPEGs. The way that the camera built the JPEG would be different and unique to each camera. But that's that's how it works with JPEGs. Raw files are not really the same thing. They're not standardized in the same way. Every camera manufacturer organizes the ones and zeros in their raw files completely differently from one another. It, it is a way to take the raw, the data that came from the imaging sensor in your camera and creating a digital file out of them. But that's where, that's where the similarities end. They all decide to do that in different ways. And in fact, the raw format is not entirely identical from model to model, even from the same camera manufacturer. As cameras advance, particularly the sensors inside the camera, the raw format changes. All right, so by default, computers do not understand what to do with the ones and zeros in the raw file. They need to have something else tell them what to do with them. And even today, the computers don't deal with them very well by themselves. Uh, even with all of the advancement, you know, all 20 years or so close to that that's passed since this all was happening, they're barely able to kind of show the thumbnails of images. As I record this episode here in April 2018, Apple's macOS does a little bit better job showing thumbnails of raw files than Windows does, although there's plenty of ways to make that work well. Still, though, neither provides the ability to edit the raw files. The most you're going to do with them without some other software, adding other software to your computer, is see the thumbnails. And so Thomas solved this problem for himself with this plugin that he whipped up. It allowed him to bring his raw file into Photoshop to process the image directly. He didn't have to go to use his camera software first and convert the raw to a JPEG in the camera software and then go use it in Photoshop. He could take it directly into Photoshop and uh, it solved the problem for him. Other photographers saw the plugin and rapidly fell in love with it. And then Adobe added it as a, an official product feature in the 7.0 release of Photoshop back in 2003 with the 1.0 version of Adobe Camera Raw. That was the plugin that Thomas wrote. With the popularity of the Adobe Camera Raw plugin in Photoshop, Adobe used that same plugin as kind of the core engine or the foundational piece to building out a full workflow processing tool that they call Lightroom. Now, all right, so I, I hope that kind of gives you a sense for it, but if that explanation doesn't quite make sense, there's one more experience I think I could draw on that helps you to understand profiles and why they're involved in this raw processing process. 
if you've ever upgraded to a newly available camera, you let you upgrade to one that just came out on the market, you've most likely found yourself stuck waiting for Photoshop and or Lightroom to support the raw format of that specific make and model of the camera. Even if you owned a camera from the same manufacturer and this is just a brand new model that just got released, you end up getting caught in limbo where you now only have two options for editing the photos for your shiny new camera. You can either shoot JPEG, because again, everything understands JPEG, or you can use the software that came with your camera. You can't yet use Photoshop or Lightroom. I guess you could also go and look and see if any of the other software makers, Skyloom, On One, uh, Capture One, if, if they have raw processing capabilities for your new camera. But otherwise, if you're an Adobe Photoshop or Lightroom user, then you're waiting for the camera raw to be updated with the profiles that you need to that support the raw format of your new camera. That's the, the capabilities to deal with the raw files are pretty fundamental and part of Adobe Camera Raw, but they have to go and actually create the profiles themselves for that brand new camera. And you have to wait until they provide that in an update to Camera Raw. So, all right, hopefully that gives you a sense for what it is that these profiles are doing, the role they play in Camera Raw. Let's tie that into profiles now. What does that have to do with these new features that Adobe has released in Lightroom Classic CC 7.3 and Camera Raw 10.3? Because profiles have actually been a part of a Camera Raw for years. Some of you, if you've had experience with it, you know they have been kind of well hidden, I'd say. Since Lightroom 3 though, you could go down to the camera calibration panel in Lightroom and choose between several Adobe provided profiles. The default profile, the one that's been applied to every RAW file by default as you use Lightroom from ages and, and uh, camera RAW and Photoshop is called Adobe Standard. And as the default, it's been automatically applied. It was intended to be a generic starting place for all RAW photo processing. Kind of a way to baseline things and make it so that it didn't matter what camera you shot with, you got kind of the same starting point on your processing workflow. So even if you used two cameras from different manufacturers at the same shoot under the same lighting conditions and the same event, whatever the everything else being the same and it was just two different cameras that you were using, Adobe Standard would by default be applied as you imported those raw files and you start working on them and they'd look pretty close to the same as you were going to edit it. Now I'm sure a lot of you have probably had experience where that doesn't actually work <laughs> and you didn't, you had to go and process the raw files differently for each of the different cameras. And, uh, but that was the intention and the idea of Adobe standard baseline, everything, make it be a kind of a common starting point for everything you did. Now I'm also sure that most of you have had this experience where you took a shot on your camera and you looked on the back of the screen and thought, oh, I nailed that photo. That looks beautiful. I love that photo. I can't wait to go process it. And then you pull it up in the computer and you think, what happened to the photo? <laughs> it doesn't look like it did on the back of the camera. I swear it was better than that. And you can even uh, see it more dramatically if you shot JPEG, JPEG plus RAW. You'd, you could compare them side by side on your computer, looking at the JPEG that came out of the camera and looking at the raw file and think, that JPEG looks way, way better. Why? What's going on here? 
and uh, it, many of you probably know, or if you've probably heard it uh, referred to by people who teach about Lightroom and Photoshop, you could fix this by going down to the camera calibration panel in Lightroom or in Camera Raw and uh, choosing the same in-style, uh, in-camera picture style that you shot with. So if you shot with, let's say, a, a style called Vivid on your camera, if it has that, but I'm just making a, a name up here. If you, if you used Vivid as an in-camera picture style, you set that on the camera, even though you were shooting raw, you set that on the camera. When you look on the back of the camera, it's still showing the embedded JPEG. Your camera still did the process to convert the raw data to a JPEG, and then it just puts that, that JPEG inside the raw file, and that's what's used when you're looking on the back of the camera, is still that JPEG, the embedded JPEG, inside your raw file. And, uh, and so, if you went and picked the same vivid profile in camera calibration panel, boom, your raw file looks pretty close. It may not be exact, but it looks pretty close to what the JPEG file looks like. And so it, it was a way to try to make things sync up that way. And then you could start your processing from there. You, you liked what that style did to your photo. You wish it looked like that. Now you can add adjustments from there. You had all your sliders, all your adjustment brushes, everything, all the tools available to you in both Lightroom and Photoshop to deal with the, the raw file from there. And, uh, but, it, but it was this profile that kind of got you to the starting point. All right, whether the Adobe Standard Profile or these in-camera style profiles, the profile tells the camera raw engine not only how to make sense of the ones and zeros in the raw file, how to make that raw file actually something it knows what to do with, but also how to deal with things like colors and contrast and lens correction and a whole bunch of things that, that it could do all without impacting sliders. And so this is where I'm going to tell you about kind of the difference between profiles and presets. And this is the one area where they are extremely different. Presets are mostly a way that you could kind of define a specific setting that all the sliders should be put at. Uh, ways to say, I, you define in the preset, I want this slider to be this and this slider to be that. And you just kind of define all of them and capture what it is that the sliders are set to, to achieve a look. And then you saved it off as kind of a preset way that the sliders should be set. Um, if you applied a preset after you had already made adjustments to the photo, let's say you went in to the develop module, you did some editing of the photo, and then you thought, ah, just not liking where I'm going, and you decide you're gonna go look through some presets, you find one you like and you click it. Now, all the work that you did on the edits, on the adjustments and the sliders are gone. And whatever was in the preset has now overwritten it. It's now that moved the sliders to match what the preset defined them to be. And whatever work you did was gone, which might be fine. That might've been why you were after it. But in some cases you would rather have it be that you uh, have the preset not affect the sliders that you did. And a good example would be an exposure slider. If you accidentally or on purpose, underexposed your shot and you fixed that by increasing the exposure slider, then as soon as you apply a preset, you now lost what it was, whatever the exposure was set to slider was set to before applying the preset, because that's how the presets work. They deal with the sliders. They deal with the settings that are with, or the adjustments that were, are within Lightroom. Profiles can accomplish the same types of things 
but they do it without affecting the adjustments that you've already made to the photos. So it's kind of a way to, uh, to make sure you don't lose any of that work that you've done. Profiles also can do things that presets can't do. As an example, profiles can use something called lookup tables or LUT to deal with colors in different ways than pretty well any combination of sliders and tools and Lightroom or Camera Raw can do. There's a, it's a very technical kind of explanation, something maybe we'll get into a whole photo talk episode just on lookup tables at some point. But suffice it to say, there's some things that, that that's something that profiles have access to that you just can't do through any of the other thing, adjustment tools that you have in either Lightroom or Camera Raw. All right, so that's kind of the basic difference between profiles and presets. Some other things then that are, are now different. Uh, prof, prior to Lightroom 7.3 and Camera Raw 10.3, profiles were solely provided by Adobe, and they were meant to be applied at the very beginning of the processing workflow. It was hard to tell that because it was hidden down in the camera calibration panel. So I'm really excited, and I think it's going to make profiles um, a much more useful or at least a much more used feature than it ever has been. Even though it's been available for, for a long time now that you could go and apply those profiles, that camera calibration panel is way far out of the way. And it's not asking any uh, photographer to go down and mess with that. So um, I, I'm really excited they made this change. This is probably one of the more prominent changes. I'm not sure it's the most impactful. We'll see. But a, a very prominent change where the profiles is now front and center inside of Lightroom and a camera raw. It is now part of the basic panel of the develop module. In fact, it's the very first part of the basic panel of the develop module. So it's right there begging photographers to go and take a look, <laughs> asking them, please come and use profiles. These are very powerful features and you need to use them. You need to consider them. And uh, so I, I'm really excited about that because I think it's going to really impact and change things a lot for photographers. So that's one of the larger changes uh, visibly. And uh, so not only is the location, but how you go and apply them. Before it was pretty much, it was just a drop down. You had one little label that said profile, camera profile. And, uh, and you had a drop down, you could choose Adobe standard or any of the in-camera settings, in-camera styles that match for your camera. Now you have the profile browser and you have some thumbnails that are there. And I'm going to talk about that in a moment. It's a, it's a much better way to present it. It's a much more powerful way to present it. And I think it's really going to help photographers. So now there are two types of profiles. This is different from how it was before this release. There are camera-specific profiles, which is really kind of this, you know, you think of it the same way as you would those in-camera style matching profiles, and they have kind of actually a, a special name for it, I'll say, tell you in a second. Then you have creative profiles, and we're going to get to both of them. Let's start with these camera-specific profiles. So Adobe will continue to provide camera-specific profiles just like they have to this point, in the life of Camera Raw Engine. All right, so that means that you're, you're still going to have our old friend Adobe Standard. He's still there. He's still kind of the default. And um, he's been updated in, in this release uh, in a pretty significant way where that standard is probably going to look a little better than you're used to. Um, but it's still going to have the profiles that are specific to the make and model of your camera there too though they are now called camera matching profiles. So when you go into the profiles browser, you're going to see a few 
categories, I'll call them, of profiles. You're going to see raw, which is where our friend Adobe Standard is going to live. And with that one, you're going to see six other raw profiles. They are called Adobe Color, Adobe Monochrome, Adobe Landscape, Adobe Neutral, Adobe Portrait, and Adobe Vivid. All of those are ways to have the raw file be processed slightly differently. The names give you a pretty good idea about kind of what the emphasis is that the processor, that profile is going to tell uh, Lightroom or Camera Raw to do with the raw information that's coming to it. Um, and I'll, I'm going to recommend that you, you check out a link in the show notes for the Adobe blog post because Adobe actually did a pretty good job of kind of detailing what it is that raw profile is doing. Each of those six raw profiles is doing to the photo and how they're slightly different and how you would kind of pick. Uh, the names are pretty pretty uh, inform informative anyway, but you'll want to go check out that Adobe blog post if you want to get a little bit more detail about which of them, <laughs> which of them to use. All right, and then just like they were before this release, Adobe still intends for these profiles to be applied at the very beginning of processing a raw file. So with these seven total uh, camera-specific profiles, they, are, they think that you should start there. That should be like the very first decision you make when you're processing a raw file. And it does have to be a raw file. These camera-specific profiles can only be applied to raw files. They can't be applied to JPEGs, to TIFFs, to PNGs, or PSDs. And that's the way it was before this release. It's the way it continues after this release. You can't use them anywhere but raw files, and they really intend for you to kind of start there very first, which is, again, why it's a good thing that they placed it right front and center in the basic panel of the develop module, giving you kind of the idea of this is where to start. This is the very first decision you should make as you're processing the raw file. You might decide, you're, you're, you might decide personally you don't really care about changing any of this, uh, which is fine. You can just skip this step and Adobe standard's gonna be applied and away you go. Um, but you may find that you like these other, these six other profiles that are there as kind of a good starting point depending on what you're after and what you wanna do with the processing of that file. When you apply one of these camera-specific profiles, it is all or none kind of application. It's, uh, you don't get to do something called the fade, um, as Adobe puts it, with these uh, camera-specific profiles. It's, it's on or it's off. You can't say, oh boy, when I turn that on, it's just a little too much. I like the overall effect, but it's a little too much, and I'm gonna just dial it back a bit. No ability to do that, no slider to change that with the camera-specific profiles. Now let's talk about the creative profiles, and this is entirely new. There has never been creative profiles functionality in Camera Raw or Lightroom. So Adobe provides 45 creative profiles with the release of this update, but even better, they also provide a way for creatives to provide profiles. Third parties can create profiles and either sell them or give them away for free. And there's kind of a mixture of both available already. So similar to how third parties have done this for many, many years with presets that you could add to Lightroom, third parties can now also create profiles. They can, but they're only the creative type. Adobe's going to keep doing the in-cam or the camera specific profiles, but creative professionals can go and build profiles that they can sell you or provide you for free that you can add to your Lightroom. It isn't quite as easy to do as presets. You have to use a special tool that Adobe's provided. 
So you probably aren't likely to create one yourself, but there are already a number of profiles available from third parties who worked with Adobe in conjunction with this release. Adobe wanted to make sure that there were some third-party profiles available right from day one when it launched the new release. And so they worked with a number of third parties to have those be created. They kind of got preview releases of the software and used that to develop their own profiles that are available. And if you're interested in any of those third-party profiles, pretty easy to search in Google and find them. But there's also a specific list of the people that Adobe worked with to have these profiles built. Those are in that same Adobe blog post I mentioned that will be in the show notes. And you can go check that out um, uh, where the show notes are at. All right. Unlike the camera-specific profiles, Creative profiles can also be applied to JPEG, TIFF, PNG, and PSD files. Now, again, these profiles are not trying to make sense of a raw file here. That's what Adobe is going to continue to provide. Adobe Standard and all those six other profiles that they've got, That's and plus the camera style, in-camera style matching profiles, those are for trying to help Lightroom and Camera Raw understand how to interpret the ones and zeros of the raw file and get it to a point where you can start doing your adjustments to the file. That's not something that third parties are going to be providing. That's going to come from Adobe. You're still going to have to wait for Adobe to add those profiles to Camera Raw and Lightroom when you get a brand new camera that's just been released. But these profiles, um, they, they have some advantages and one of them is JPEG, TIFF, PNG, and PSD files can have creative profiles applied to them, which is really, really nice because now if you round trip to Photoshop from Lightroom and you edit your photo and then you come back to Lightroom, you're either going to come back into Lightroom with a TIFF or a PSD file. I recommend TIFF, by the way. And what now these creative profiles can be applied even after doing that round tripping. So that's beautiful. If you come back and now you decide, I actually want to check out what it would look like with a different profile applied. You can do that without having to like throw away all the work you just did in Photoshop and, uh, and be able to explore what that photo might look like with some different creative profiles applied to it. So that's a, a massive, massive advantage. You also get the advantage and it's not uh, compared to between the two different profile types, but I've, as I talked about with presets versus profiles, you get to use these profiles and especially the creative ones are most powerful for this without affecting the sliders or adjustments you've made. That means that you can do this at any point in the processing workflow. If you do it up front, that's great. You can do it up front. If you want to apply a creative uh, profile in the middle to give you some ideas or maybe at the end just to see if there's like a, a finishing touch that you can add to the photo, then you can do that. You can add these creative profiles kind of at any point and to almost any file that you'll have in Lightroom. And that's a very powerful, powerful thing. It is something that they've added to the functionality here that was not available prior to this release. And it's going to be very helpful. I'm, I'm excited to work through these and kind of leverage them and see where it takes my creativity, where it takes my processing these photos over time. You can also uh, apply a creative profile with a fade effect. And they, they don't label it. That's kind of what the documentation or what some others have referred to it as. But there's this amount slider that appears 
only after you've selected a creative profile, if you used one of those camera-specific profiles, either the raw or the in-camera style matching profile, then uh, you don't get this slider. It's, it's not there in the user interface. But as soon as you select a creative profile, there's a new slider that says amount. And by default, it's set to 100%. So kind of the full on 100% applied creative profile. But if it's over the top too much and you wanna see what it looks like ramped down just a touch or a lot, then you can move the slider to the left and take it down to 50 to 25, 15, 10 on the slider and kind of see what it looks like with the profile being applied a little less, kind of fade the effect of the profile. You can also take the slider the other direction. And if it's just not quite enough, you love what it's doing, but you need it to be just a little bit more, you can ramp up the effect by dialing in a, a amount over 100%. So a lot of creative control there with the creative profiles. That's going to be kind of a nice thing that you can do. Most of the time, I find these things a little over the top myself. So I, I like the ability to be able to ramp it down just a touch and take it down to kind of preference and see how much I, I, where I like it at that. It's, it's just a beautiful control. Now, creative profiles, they're not intended to solely be at the first of the processing, like I mentioned already. You can apply them at any point in the process. And uh, it's just going to be kind of a, a very helpful thing, I think, to unlock the creativity of photographers as they are processing photos. I know I tend to get into ruts as I'm processing photos. I like the same thing enough that I've created presets to set the sliders in a specific way, and I tend to use it all the time. And I end up with the same look on almost everything, which is you know pretty good. And in some cases, that's exactly what my clients want. As I do portraits for families, they pick me because they like the style that they've seen in the photos, and they want that replicated. So it's it's in general kind of a good thing in that scenario. But on some photos, I definitely hit it where I just am not sure where to go with the photo. I've done kind of my normal routine, my normal, I've applied my normal preset or I've applied my normal processing to it. And it's just lacking something. It just doesn't look like I want and I don't know what to do with it. At that point, I've reached for some third party presets in the past and that helps. That definitely does a, the same kind of purpose. But then usually after I, I had this problem where I'd, if I applied one of those presets because I thought, oh, I like what that is. But then I'd lose some of either the contrast adjustments or maybe the color adjustments, some sort of adjustment in there. I'd lose the effect because I applied that preset, which changed my sliders. And now I have to go after I've applied a preset, kind of reprocess through some of the stuff that I did with the sliders adjustments. So I'm, I'm super excited about the prospect of these profiles being there and being something I can use to make these adjustments and give me creative ideas without killing what I've done to the photo. It doesn't mean I won't have to go and kind of relook at some of the adjustments I've made because combination of the profile and the adjustments may have things be different than I want. But I, I like the, the ability to be able to kind of keep exactly the adjustments I've made, apply the profile, and then kind of adjust again from there rather than kind of trying to recreate the adjustment. Hopefully that makes sense. So super excited about that. The other thing I think is going to really help in this same kind of space, the, the same vein of, of inspiring you and jumpstarting your creativity is the way that the preview of the profile that happens. I already mentioned there's a, um, a profile browser that's now part of Lightroom. 
and uh, and it, it kind of opens up in the side panel. The right panel has a, a thumbnail preview of what your photo is going to look like if that profile is applied. And it's not a generic preview, not a generic thumbnail to illustrate what the effect does on someone else's photo, which you see on so many software packages. It's exactly the photo that you're working on is in those thumbnails and showing you what the profile was going to look like in the thumbnail view that um, with the exact photo you're on. And then if that's not enough, which often it's not for me, I want to see it in more detail. If you think, well, you know, that thumbnail looks like it might be what I'm looking for. It, that might be the, the difference or the pop or the, the little thing I'm looking for on this photo. If you just float over that photo, you don't even have to fully apply the photo. You don't have to click on it and make it apply the profile. But if you just float over it, your photo, the view of the photo, the large view of it that you have in the develop module is going to show you a preview of what that's going to look like if you were to click it and apply it and make it not permanent because it's not something you couldn't change. You can go right back to the profile you had before if you want to. Um, but it's it's just really great. It's so fast to be able to look through it. Um, I have heard of some listeners who've told me that this feature has been very slow for them. In particular, all this preview stuff that it's doing. That uh, the thumbnails, building the thumbnails is going slowly and applying the profile so that you can see the full image the, the large view of the image show you what the effect of the profile would be has been slow. They've had to just like click on it, wait a few seconds for the, the image to update to even sh- have it work. So I don't know how widespread that is. The forums don't seem to have a whole lot of people who are suffering from that, but I've definitely had listeners say, yeah, this just doesn't even work for me. I can't really use this. And if that's the case, maybe just avoid this for now. And um, I, I encourage you, if you're facing a problem like that, to go to the Adobe forums, that's feedback.photoshop.com and uh, log in there with your Adobe ID and submit a bug, tell them about it, let them know if you're having a struggle with that. Um, they also have had some struggles with um, the same changes, the, the way that they were doing these profiles. They're trying to make presets uh, at least stored and functioning in a similar way. And so in this latest release, they're updating the presets and some of that hasn't gone too well either. So my recommendation in the last uh, improved photography episode was to wait if you are really, really reliant on presets. Don't upgrade yet. And that still holds as I record this here in late April 2018. If, if presets are a big, big part of your workflow, um, don't upgrade yet because it could negatively impact you and you could really have some problems and you'll, you'd be very unhappy if you upgraded and that was the result. Um, I have upgraded and I personally have not seen a lot of issues on either Mac or PC. Um, so, you know, your mileage, of course, is going to vary. I, uh, I mostly give this upgrade, this release, the 7.3 release, a, a thumbs up, but uh, I can't entirely because they're still having some trouble with presets. So that would be the way, the way to decide. Uh, all right. So that's it. That's all the time we have for this episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. And um, you can now find, and you're going to want to listen to the end part. If you've, if you've killed the podcast at this point, but in the past, you're going to want to listen here because this is different than it's ever been in Photo Taco. You can now find everything Photo Taco related at the new home for the podcast at phototacopodcast.com. 
phototacopodcast.com. So I have over there already searchable show notes. I've already migrated all the show notes over from improved photography to phototacopodcast.com. They're now searchable. All the detailed notes are there. Also a link to the Photo Taco listeners Facebook group that you can go and join and a few other goodies that I'm working on that are only going to be available to visitors of the website. So you're going to want to make sure to make the website part of your routine. Um, you're going to want to make sure you go to phototacopodcast.com frequently, at least with every uh, release of the show. You're going to want to go visit and see what's up, see what's going on over at the site. I would love to connect with you through Instagram. And this part is the same show notes or show the show's account at Instagram is at photo taco podcast. You can drop me an email photo taco podcast at gmail.com. Again, no question, no question is too basic or too complicated for the show. If I don't know the answer, I often don't know the answer to the questions. I will see about bringing an expert guest on the show to go through it. Photo Taco is part of the new Master Photography Podcast Network, and you can find everything related to that network, including all of the shows, the other shows on the network with the other hosts that came over from the Improved Photography Podcast team at masterphotographypodcast.com. So our, the two big ones, phototacopodcast.com, that's everything Photo Taco will be there, and masterphotographypodcast.com. It's going to be the new home of the Improved Photography Podcast, the roundtable episodes where we will have hosts from the Master Photography Podcast Network. That's uh, me and Brian and Brent and Connor and Erica. We're going to take turns being the host of the show. And then at least two of us will be on the show with them every week to talk about things in the same format, in the same general way that everything's happened in the past. Together, the hosts of the Master Photography Podcast Network want to help you to master your photography. Views expressed on this program by independent host guests and callers do not necessarily reflect their views of improved photography LLC or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links where a permission is reserved. Olay!